God, Anne. Talk Vote, a production of the League of Women Voters, Kansas City, Jackson, Clay, and Black Counties. We're recording in a podcast studio for the first time ever. We are. So if you notice a much improved audio quality, that would be why. That that would indeed be why. Yeah. Be- because we are here in person for the first time. Yeah, it's crazy. This is the first time we've ever recorded in person. And it's only like the fourth time we've even set eyes on each other in person. Yes. And we've met twice briefly, and then we were at a party once. Yes. Otherwise, we only know each other online. Yeah. Yeah. It's very nice to see you. That's the modern age, baby. <laughs> it's the modern age. It is the modern age. Yeah, it's I, nice I wish to see that you. I saw you more often in person, though, so you could show me how to use my electronics. <laughs> <laughs> I have a five for democracy. What is your five for democracy? I have an exciting five for democracy. So in preparation for the state legislative session, which is going to be kicking off in January, we are asking you to read the testimonies that were submitted during this past session for HJR 132. And as a brief reminder, HJR is the acronym for House Joint Resolution. And a joint resolution is what you call a constitutional amendment that has been proposed by the legislature. Really? Yes. I did not know that. I did not know that they started as a House joint resolution. Yeah. The the name joint resolution is just a constitutional amendment proposal. New facts. I got to confess, it almost seemed like a joint press release to me. This is why people get intimidated and don't want to run for office because yeah. they think only about this side of it. Yeah. And then you add the, like, I don't even know how to get started side of it. And then people go, well, no, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. So HJR 132 would have modified the requirements for votes that are required to pass constitutional amendments. Our current system requires a simple majority of voters in Missouri to approve a ballot petition amendment. That's something that's put forward by the citizens of Missouri. HJR 132 would have changed that to a simple majority of voters in Missouri plus a simple majority in more than half of the state House of Representative districts to become effective. Okay, so So overall had to be more... Say that again. So (laughs) what that means is that you would have still had to get more than half of people in Missouri to vote for it. Okay. But then you also would have had to get half of the state rep districts to have a majority of people in that. And that's because sometimes stuff will be really popular like in St. Louis and maybe not popular in Kansas City. But if 90% of the people vote for it in St. Louis and 35% of the people vote for it in Kansas City, it's going to pass because that's such a huge, you know, that's enough numbers. But this makes it, makes sure that people all over the state are in favor of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So, okay, so that didn't pass. So it didn't pass. It made it through all of its committee assignments. It went to three different committees, made it through all of those, and was continuing along a pace up until the legislative session closed. So I think that we should expect to see it come up again um, Mm -hmm. in this January session. And that's one that we had a position on, as I recall. Yeah, I think so. So we're asking people to take a look at the testimony. Why? Yeah, so... In the show notes, you'll find a link to the public testimony that Missourians submitted to the legislature, both in support of and in opposition to the joint resolution. And your assignment, should you choose to accept it, is to read through some of those testimonies in preparation for the upcoming session so that you can have some ideas about how you can write your own testimony. So we're looking to have people read this testimony just to get familiar with what testimony looks like, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because there's a huge range of the kind of testimony that's written. Absolutely. There really is. I believe you've written testimony. I have indeed. That is thoughtful, researched sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Fairly lengthy. And you've made clear and succinct, but also well-developed arguments. Well, thank to you. To bolster your opinions. Thank you, yes. And what kind of testimony do you tend to write? I mostly say, this proposed law is stupid, and I want you to vote no. And both of those are on the public record. Yeah, they are. So you can say whatever you want. So by doing this Five for Democracy, you're getting a better sense of what other people write. Right, because one of our goals in doing this podcast is to make all of politics less scary, less intimidating. Because we want people to get involved. Yes, we do. Yeah. Because if we don't get involved, we don't have a vibrant democracy. Exactly. This should be a pretty accessible one as well because there are only 24 testimonies that were submitted and not all of those testimonies actually have anything written. And it's good to know, too, what kind of information is made public because you do have to provide your name and your email address, I believe. And those are part of the public record. But all the other information is optional, but you should know that if you include that other information, it will be published. Yes. So that's good to know, too. We just want people to know what testimony is like. Look at this testimony that I just found from from one Ann Calvert. <laughs> Uh-oh. You very well. Please don't make it harder for ordinary citizens to pass laws via the ballot initiative. I don't support this bill at all. That is succinct and informative. Yeah, I usually don't write more than about 50 words. That's that's definitely not 50 that words. That was one of my nice ones. <laughs> All right, but yeah, that's your Five for Democracy for this week. Get to it. Yeah, get to it. We just had an election yesterday, and I bet that there were some people who went into the polls and said, well, I don't like any of these people. Well, I'm guessing there's something they could do about it. Absolutely. Well, can you explain that to me? Absolutely. So one thing you could do, you go in, you look at your ballot, you say, hey, I don't think any of these people can do a good job, but I think I can do a fantastic job. You can run. There are a couple of things that go into deciding if you want to run for office. So you have to decide what position you want to run for. And part of that is you have to consider what kind of change you want to make, what people you want to impact, and what your resources are socially and financially. Because if you are interested in updating the zoning laws of your municipality, 
running for president isn't really going to get you much in that direction. Yeah, that makes sense. So that is the first thing that you have to consider. You also have to consider if, you know, it's going to be a good fit for your life right now. But based on how you answer those questions, who you want to impact, what kind of change you want to make, and what your resources are, you can pick which level of government you're interested in and then which position you want to run for. I broke it down into four different levels. You have the local and municipal elections. That's things like your school board and your city council. You have county level positions, which is like a county executive. You have state level positions, which would be like a state senator, uh, your state auditor, your governor. And then you have the national levels, which is your congressional representatives, senators, and the president. So if you look at all those different levels and you decide, well, I want to run for alderman in Kearney, Missouri next November, uh, first of all, you are a little bit SOL because since that is a local election, that is held in April, not in November. Is that true across the board? Yes, that is true across the board. So local and municipal elections are held in April. Primary elections for positions like governor, senator, and state rep are held in August. And then the general election for those positions that you just did the primary on are held in November. And that's across the board no matter what state you live in or in Missouri? Well, I don't know about other states. I don't care about other states. Fair I know enough. that's true in Missouri. Okay, fair enough. God, Anne. <laughs> so you've decided what level you want to run for. You've realized, oh, I'm doing a local election. That's going to be in April. So you have to plan around that time frame. So then you have to make sure that you file your candidacy to run in the election. And the window to file to run in the election is around three to four weeks long, and it ends four months before the election. So, for example, this year, our municipal elections were April 5th, and the filing window was December 7th through the 28th. And the window is that far in advance because then you need to spend that time campaigning. And you can't file before that. No, you can't file before that. Another thing to keep in mind about filing is that it can cost money or signatures, depending on if you're affiliated with a party or running as an independent. And then the same way that there are different levels of government, depending on which level of government you're running for, you're going to file with a different entity. So if you are running for senator, state rep, auditor, governor, something like that, you'll file with the Missouri Secretary of State. But if you're running for a county position, city position, school board, you will go to that specific entity and file with them or ask them for more details about how to file. The other two things that you need to submit when you're filing for your candidacy is you need to submit an affidavit that you are not delinquent on tax payments and you have to submit proof of identity. Really? Yeah. You have to be up to date on your taxes. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Once you've completed that step, you've filed your candidacy, and you can also start campaigning before you file. But campaigning is the big thing to think about next. And the size of your campaign will really depend on the position that you're running for. If you're running for president, obviously, you're going to have to have a gigantic campaign with operations in all of the states and multiple people on the ground. If you're running for alderman in Kearney, Missouri, you won't have to have as large a staff. So the things that you will think about that you'll likely need to have, so for your campaign staff, you should have a campaign manager, think about someone to help with fundraising, organizing volunteers, and someone to help you with your digital presence. You'll also need to get a website. You'll need to get a campaign bank account 
so that people can submit donations to you. And you'll need to get printed handouts that cover your issues. You will also need to access the voter roll for where you are so that you can know who your voters are, what your demographic is. Then and that costs money too, right? Uh, so I was looking on Nation Builder and you can get it for free. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because if you go to the Kansas City Election Board, mm. it's point zero zero one five cents per something like that. And then Nation Builder might have been like a trial. You'll need the voter roll. You'll need to try and attract some volunteers. And you will also need public visibility. Okay, so wait, I want to go back to the volunteer, like the main volunteers that you mentioned, that you need somebody to, to handle finances, you need somebody to handle volunteers, somebody to do digital. So can all those people be the same person? If you've got a really, like if you're running for something very local and very local, it's either local or it's not local. <laughs> if you're running for something local, can can you just have one campaign manager who does all that stuff or do you need separate people? Like, like legally, do you need somebody separate who does money? No, legally, you don't need someone separate. And, like, conceivably, you could do it all yourself. It's just a lot of work. Yeah. And it's also helpful, I think, especially if you are running for public office, to have some other people's opinions to kind of keep you on track because they're going to have advice on how to do things that I think would be beneficial to incorporate. I think more politicians should hear you say that. <laughs> I think perhaps there are some politicians who don't actually listen to what? any other voices besides their own. The ones in their heads. Yes. The other thing that you should keep in mind while you're campaigning is that you have two basic resources. That is time and money. Because you only have a limited amount of time before the election and at some point you're going to run out of money that you're able to collect. And so anytime any person offers you either their time or their money, accept that help very gratefully. So you've done all that. You have your campaign all set up. You go knock on doors. You go shake hands at the farmer's market. You make yourself known to people. Grab a radio spot if you can. Do whatever you want to do. And then the big thing is to make sure you're pushing people to get out the vote. And, you know, there's more to winning than these just like basic step by step things. But yeah, but that's really that's really helpful just to know how to get started. Just just even the timeline. The more than we know, the less intimidating it feels. Exactly. I got to confess, I'm thinking right now. Like I know wh while I was researching this, some of these things were news to me, like the affidavit about the not being delinquent on taxes. But, yeah, just finding out what you logistically need to do i was like oh okay this is doable this is accessible yeah all of that uh, stuff. and i was looking at numbers today because you know we hope that we have an impact on voter turnout and there are a lot of races where there are not that many votes cast yep you know a couple thousand but yeah so those are some of the logistical things you'll need to consider in a run for office now go run for office thank you very much rachel you're welcome. So, Rachel, I have some trivia for you. All right. Awesome. So we were talking about running for office. 
We encourage our listeners to run for office because we know that our listeners are smart and they are sane and they are engaged and they are uh, sane. (laughs) Because I have some stories about people who ran for office, not quite so sane. (laughs) There's some wackadoo candidates out there. Did you know that Roseanne Barr ran for president? For president? Do Do you know who Roseanne is? Because she had a TV show too. Yeah, I've never seen the TV show, but I'm I'm familiar with who she is. She ran for president in 2012, not that long ago. That was recently. Yeah. She promoted mental health and thought we should all meditate. But then she also promised to send Wall Street bankers to a special re-education camp or behead them. I mean... Yeah, no, 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 no. We can't... No, no, no. No. Nope. Oh, wow. That is... uh, Bad, bad. That's off the deep end a little bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Do you know who Jello Biafra is? I have no idea. I know. It's a deep dive. He was the lead singer of a punk band called the Dead Kennedys. I've heard of the Dead Kennedys. Okay, good. They were uh, never huge, but they loomed large in my living room when I was a teenager. He ran for president also for the Green Party. He was beaten by Ralph Nader. What? Ralph Nader has never been president. He tried to win the nomination. Jello tried to get the Green Party nomination for president. He promised to enact a maximum wage. A maximum wage. A maximum wage? I think that's an excellent idea. I mean, I suppose, actually. Uh, You can't earn more than $5,000 an hour? That seems reasonable to me. He wanted to abolish the military and lower the voting age. To five. To five? To five. Can you imagine the types of campaign ads that we would be seeing now? And the first day of kindergarten. Welcome to kindergarten. Here's your presidential ballot. (laughs) There was a guy named Vermin Love Supreme. Oh, yes. He's running now, I think. He wears a tutu, a boot on his head, and carries a big toothbrush. I love it. Why? He's a little wackadoo. He promises a free pony to everyone and funding for zombie apocalypse awareness. Amazing. Yeah. And this one I like, actually, a law requiring everyone to brush their teeth. I like that. Everyone should brush their... Yeah. Yeah. Everyone should brush their teeth. So is he running for president? Does he consistently run for president? He runs for president, yeah. Huh? He has a a website. He's got a bunch of swag on his website for sale. I went and checked it out. There's a whole lot of uh, My Little Pony stuff. Okay. He might be a brony. In 2016, this dude named Zoltan Istvan ran for president. Ooh. And he went all around the country campaigning in a coffin-shaped bus. He was a member of the Transhumanist Party. And the transhumanists believe that tech can transform the body and the mind and avoid death. Okay. So I don't know why he drove around in a coffin-shaped bus, because that seems... Sticking it to the man. Haha, this is the only time I'll be in a coffin. Okay, so last, Parley Parker Christensen in 1920 ran for president. He pushed an agenda which included recognition of the Soviet Union, women's suffrage, and civil rights for black Americans. Okay. So I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, he wanted us all to speak Esperanto. I love this one because there's a movie called Incubus that starred William Shatner. I've heard of William Shatner. Also from TV. Are you a fan of the Star Trek? Indeed. 
I'm a little bit of a Trekkie. Are you a Trekkie? I a little bit. I don't think I'm full blown, but the original series has my heart and soul. How could it not? I, I know, mean, right? he was awesome. But anyway, he was in this movie called Incubus, and the whole thing was in Esperanto. And Carl and I watched that whole damn movie one night. Gotcha. It had subtitles, and we were like, what the heck language is this? So anyway, I was very excited to see an Esperanto reference in uh, today's trivia. So he yeah. did not win the presidency. Oh. No, none of these people spoiler won. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. None of these people won. And, and I left out all kinds of other crazy, like Buckethead is some guy from England who runs every year. And then there was a serious run from a porn star in Italy. Uh, it. But I left all that out. And I also left out all the animals who have been elected to various offices in our country. <laughs> I believe... We have to do a dive into that one. I, yeah. I think I have to share those with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I got. That's my trivia. It wasn't as weird as I thought it would be. No, kind of thought it would okay. be a clown car caravan of weirdos who would run for president. Well, thank you, Anne. You're welcome. Hey, Anne. Yep. Can you tell me what's up with the leak? Well, today, other than me... We are sleeping because we are exhausted. <laughs> we have been doing so much. But now our focus shifts because we have been focused on uh, registering voters until October 12th when voter registration was over. And then we concentrated on getting out the vote. So now we turn our attention to behind the scenes, back end, administrative, organizational sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's what's up with the league for the next, you know, couple of months is us tracking all the things that we did, collecting data, reporting on the efforts that we've made, trying to figure out if they had an effect. And if we can't figure that out because we're still learning and getting better at data collection, then establishing a pretty clear baseline for two years from now and four years from now when we have similar efforts. We're also writing some job descriptions, trying to recruit. We still have a few committee chair positions that are open, like fundraiser. We really need a fundraising chair. So we're doing a whole bunch of back-end stuff. And we're doing, for the first time, we're doing an annual report. And I'm very excited about that because I am uh, someone who really likes stats and graphs and charts and pie graphs and <laughs> colorful descriptions of, okay, mostly just the charts and the graphs. <laughs> so yeah. we're putting together, uh, yeah, we're going to do that for the first time. Awesome. And so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm so geekily, wrongly excited about that. <laughs> no, it's a good thing to be excited about. Is that going to be publicly available? Yeah, it'll be on our website. And you know, we were all we were all a little busy and we were all a little worried because there were some threats of violence and you know, we had somebody show up at the polls in either April or August with a great big gun here in Kansas City. And so I think everybody was a little bit nervous. There was some tension mm -hmm. before this election. And so um, I'm relieved to have only heard of some minor incidents that happened. Uh, but uh, across the country, it seems like we behaved ourselves fairly well and with some decorum, which That's hasn't good. always been the case yeah. recently. So, yeah, I, we all kind of, I think our whole organization collectively <sighs> exhaled and yeah. went to lay down. That's very good. <laughs> have a nap. Yes. <laughs> you can have a nap now 
but you better wake up by the end of November because we got to get started for the legislative sessions. Oh, by the way, did you see any social media that we put out over this election season? Yeah. Did they not kick some social media butt? Yeah, I was genuinely hecka impressed. Yeah. They got a member of the KC Current to do the I Vote Because. At least two. two. At least two. Oh, my gosh. From when we were just like poking around in Canva trying to get them designed to... From, from when from when another member and I did it because we were the only ones who could remember the password? Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. I'm so impressed. They totally kicked some booty. And we did like a bajillion forums too. Mm-hmm. And all the forums and the videos, the educational videos and all that, they all got like thousands of views. All kinds of views like the last two days. We did <gasps> yes. these... Yeah, we did these ballot measure videos Mm -hmm. and just explaining what they are. No taking aside, just explaining. They got thousands of views in the last couple of days. That is fantastic. That's exactly what they're for. That's exactly what they're for. And to know that we are that resource. I also got a whole bunch of calls because I answer the phone, as you know. And I got a whole bunch of calls from people who said, I picked up your card. I don't know where I got it. I'm like, I know where you got it. You got <laughs> I it. gave it to the you. The get out the vote people gave it to you. That's <laughs> where you got it. And they would ask me, you know, I don't know how to find my polling place or I I need a ride to the polls. We, oh, we gave a couple wow. of people rides to the polls That's this awesome. Year. We never did that before. Yeah. Alderman Loretha Hayden, thank you so much for being with us today. I wanted to ask you, first off, this wasn't in the list of questions that I included, but your email address is Alderman Loretha Hayden. And I was just curious because you are a woman and it's Alderman. And so I was just wondering if there was any, if that was like a decision that your council came to that Alderman is just like the gender neutral term. I don't want to call you the wrong title. (laughs) Yeah, I think that alderman, I believe that alderman is uh, gender neutral. Perfect. Um, so I'm okay with that. I know that sometimes when, for instance, our attorney referred to us or the city administrator referred to the females on there, they'll say alderwoman, but I am perfectly fine with alderman. Okay. I think, again, that it's a gender neutral term. It's been used for many, many years. And, you know, I know in this age, uh, day and age that we really want to be politically correct, but I am okay with Alderman Loretha Hayden. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being with us. Sure. So you are an alderman in the Raytown city. Can you tell us a little bit about what responsibilities are involved with that position? Okay. I, I sure I will. The job of the alderman is similar in how I I try to explain it to people because a lot of people's like, what's an alderman? But they're very familiar with the city council person. And so I said, you know, because we're fourth class city, we're called alderman as opposed to city council, but we basically do the same thing as a city council person. We help support the city administrator, the mayor, and the, uh, the rest of the board of aldermen in the decision making and policies of the city. 
um, including you know, businesses, business licenses, that kind of thing. Basically, any decision making and governance of the city of Raytown. Okay, very cool. Okay, that makes sense. I didn't realize that the names were dependent upon, yeah, like what city classification. Yeah, that makes more sense. Okay, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. So have you always been interested in pursuing elected office? <laughs> I have never been interested in pursuing an elected office. I've always been somewhat of a leader. I consider myself more of a servant leader. And so being involved, I, I number one, I started a business here in Raytown, a small business, a restaurant that my husband and I own. And so I got really active in with the uh, Raytown Chamber of Commerce. And so prior to being active, I probably would not have even ever considered being on the city council. But I basically saw a need basically for some diversity because the demographics in Raytown were changing. I've been a longtime resident and I was approached by a gentleman that was part of the city, uh, one of the business leaders. And he asked me if I would be interested. He thought I would be a good fit for it. He saw a need for some diversity. And so he talked to me a little bit and then referred me to a current alderman to kind of mentor me and tell me about the position. And I had to go online and do some research and find out, okay, now what will be my duties? What do I do? And so, yeah, initially I was not, I have never been interested in politics. I have always been a voter, but I didn't like the, I did not really like the ideal of politics, if you would. But I, I like having good, politicians, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Can I ask a quick follow-up question? You said that you, while you haven't always or really ever been interested in pursuing elected office, you always were like a leader or, and you called yourself specifically a servant leader. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about what that means. Okay. What that means to me is basically I try to put aside my personal biases and needs to be basically a servant for the people. And that's not just, and I've worked for State Farm for 32 years. And so I've always been one that wanted, and I was in management. So while I was a leader, I didn't mind getting into uh, the trenches with with the workers and, and doing the work. I think that a servant leader means basically putting aside your biases and being a leader for the people. That sounds good. Like exactly what the people need. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you were approached by someone who was a a member of the Chamber of Commerce or a a business leader. Um, And okay, so then what would you say finally like pushed you over the edge that you said, okay, fine, I will run for the office of alderman? Good question. Uh, I really started looking out amongst the, looking at the board of aldermen, attending the meetings and things like that. And just considering if I could do what the folks up there were doing. And I, and I, you know, kind of deliberated, deliberated about it and prayed about it. And then I talked to my husband and children and, and said, hey, you know, what do you guys think? Would you support me in this? Would, would I be a good fit? Do you think that I can do it? And got so much positive feedback from, and the community, some leaders, Chamber of Commerce 
uh, president. And so after all of that and researching to find out what it is that they do, I thought, yeah, I can do that. And plus there was, at that particular time, it seemed like there was a little bit of uh, dissension, if you would, amongst the ranks. And so I thought I could be a voice and kind of a mediator because I, I tend to get along with all people. I have a, a strong opinion, but I, I will listen. And I thought that some of the issues that were going on with the current board of aldermen were some of them were not listening. Hmm. And so I was like, you know what, I can do this. And so, you know, after all of talking to everybody and uh, doing my research on what that position would entail. And plus I was getting to the point that I was going to be retiring from State Farm because that, you know, that was a, uh, it took a, consumed a lot of my time. I thought that I could be, I could do that. Very cool. And then what made you choose to run for alderman rather than, for example, I don't know, like a state legislator or school board or a because there are, you know, a myriad of um, local positions. Um, but what what made you pick alderman? I think the alderman deals directly with the city. And I have a love and passion for the city of Raytown. And also it, it dealt a lot with businesses and with me having a small business, living in Raytown for as long as I had, and just having a passion for the people. I thought that the uh, alderman position was a better fit for me and my personality and my strengths. I, I you know, I've, I've been active with the, the school district of Raytown in, um, in the capacity of the Raytown Advisory Committee and also the Raytown Education Foundation. So I'm still active that way. I didn't think that I that my strength was really the Board of Education. I think that I can, I'm a better fit for the businesses and the constituents of Raytown to kind of have a voice. Uh, so then how did you go about building your campaign? Okay, so that was an interesting because I've never campaigned before. Right. As I said, I've never even thought about being in the political scene. So what I did was I actually talked to someone that was already a part of the board of aldermen and he kind of became my mentor he really wanted me to to run at least the the first time that I ran because the second time I ran I ran against him so (laughs) (laughs) I thought he had told me initially that he was going to get out of it Mm. so uh, he said he was going to probably retire and so that first time I used him a lot. And so he kind of walked me through just what he would recommend that I do. He had gathered several of his brochures, campaign brochures, and basically gave me some ideals on how to do that, how to run a campaign in Raytown. uh, And I've heard this several times, it's very important that you get out there and you knock on doors. Sometimes, you know, you have to make those personal touches. Yeah. Getting outside, knocking on doors, talking to the people, passing your brochures, those those additional touches. So I started listening to him and then developing a campaign, kind of a campaign team, uh, which basically was my family <laughs> and um, and some of the uh, people in the city. I start, started talking to several business leaders about, you know, what what's important to you? If as you know, for uh, your alderman, what is important for the people? What are you looking for? What do you want in in 
um, as far as an alderman is concerned. And I basically built my campaign on those things because I was like, you know what, I can do that. And of course, you have to go to the Code of Ethics and their website and sign up properly and um, establish your, uh, make sure that all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. And then basically trying to get out and just get an endorsement and people to support you. Okay. So yeah, so there's a lot that, that went into that. A lot. More <laughs> than more than I thought going into it. But but it, you know, having someone to kind of help you along, I think is very important. Some people have campaign managers. I didn't have that. I didn't even know really what a campaign manager was. And I didn't have a whole lot of money to to try to pay someone to be a campaign manager. So it was it was definitely a grassroots effort. Very cool. So what pieces of advice would you give to someone who is considering running for office for the first time? Oh, I would definitely say make sure you get involved in your community, get to know your community, know what that position entails, do your research. And just really see if it's going to be a fit for you and your personality. Um, I think that some people get into it and they don't even, they don't realize, especially when they're running the first time, what all it's going to entail. They need to to maybe attend some of the meetings hmm. so they can get a feel for the flow of the meeting and hmm. for the, for the, in, how it's going to be involved and the, basically the, the board of aldermen and the environment that they're going to be in. And see if that really fits their personality and if they're going to be able to be a voice for their constituents and for the business community. Because if you're not getting into it for the right reasons, you can very easily get burnt out or put out or you you forget that you are a voice for your constituents and really turn it into a personal, your, your own personal agenda. And I think that's the hard part. When you become an elected official, you have to set aside your own personal biases and really listen to your constituents, your citizens, your uh, business community, and make decisions based on what you think the majority of the people would want you to decide. Do you feel like you have been able to make an impact on your community in the ways that you were hoping to when you joined and then or not when you joined, sorry, in the ways that you were hoping to when you ran for office? And have there been any like additional ways that you've been able to impact your community? Um, I believe I probably have made a small impact. I've only been doing this for a little over a year. But what I what I built my campaign on is to be a voice for the constituents. I made sure that they were able to contact me, that they had my email address, that they had my phone number. They, they will call if they have some concerns. I got a call yesterday. So I think that, that the citizens of Raytown know that they feel comfortable calling me and not only calling me, but I'm going to return your call if I can't talk to you right then. And then I'm going to follow up and I'm going to get back with you and give you updates periodically if we can't solve the problem right away. I think that sometimes what I have found is that we don't all, we as aldermen don't always do that. We don't listen to our constituents. We don't follow up. We don't get back with them. We don't, we fail to try to resolve the issues that they have. So I have tried to be a voice basically for the constituents and, and allow them that open line of communication so they can communicate with me. I can go to the appropriate people to get the problem resolved or find a reason why we can't do 
what they're wanting to do and then get back with them. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love, I love elected officials who really follow up because I, the number of times that I've called and like left a message and then just never hear back again is. I hate that. And and I think that goes back to my background. You know, when I was with State Farm, I was in claims and it was just a practice of mine that I return phone calls within 24 hours. I don't care how busy we got, how busy I am, I return phone calls. And so it's one of my pet peeves when people don't return a phone call. (laughs) And I think that even if you call and say, I don't have an answer for you yet, return my dog on phone calls, you know? (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, I think that, I think that that's just carried over um, into this position and that I, I definitely will return a phone call and usually with with, within a couple of hours, but definitely within 24 hours. That's fantastic. Love to hear that. Uh, Okay. So then we have finished the serious part of the interview. Our last question that we like to ask is if you have any pets. (laughs) And I saw that and I was like, hmm. It's a little bit of a shift. (laughs) Yes. I do not have any pets currently. That's very fair. Yeah. I had two dogs at the same time. I had a chihuahua and a uh, lab. Oh, wow. Those are very different Yes, yes. Different sizes. Very different, but the lab, <laughs> even though he was the bigger dog, he was the most loving and he really tried to get along with my little Nissa with the Chihuahua, but Nissa wasn't having it. And so he would come and try to love on her and sniff her and she would try to nip at him. <laughs> Why? Why are you trying to be so mean to him? He's so loving. <laughs> so, you know, he finally just, you know, he was still no matter how long they were together, but he still would try to go and love on her, even though he knew she wasn't having it. Oh, well, that's yeah. really sweet. <laughs> yes. I don't have any pets. So now that's all right. You've got enough on your plate as it is. It sounds like so. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Although well, my grand- mm-hmm. I have a grandson and he keeps trying to talk me into buying him um, a dog. He wants either a um, golden retriever, Labrador retriever, or a pit. I was like, I will not be buying you a pit uh, because I'm afraid of pits. <laughs> and so definitely won't be that. But, you know, we might, cons- I said, when you, when your schedule slows down, we may consider, you know, one of the retrievers. Yeah. How old is your grandson? He's 13. Okay. Okay. So he yeah. could be responsible or he learn, could. learn to take on those responsibilities. Yeah, but he, you know, he is, I brought him into the restaurant. So he's working at the restaurant at the family business and uh, playing football and then school. So, that's you know, I'm like, when are you going to have time for a dog? Because that's a big responsibility. It is. You don't even keep your room clean. So <laughs> how are you going to do with this dog? And so, and his mom is the same way. His mom was like, yeah, I don't know if we're going to have time. Love to have a pet. Um, because actually the lab was her dog. Mm. And then they, they moved in with me for a little bit. So when they moved in, I, I took over the lab. Uh, prior to that, it was my dad's dog and he passed away. So uh, the dog was so well-trained. Um, our little uh, lab was was wonderful and great with the grandkids. So yeah, I think that he, I probably will, will eventually break down and get him. <laughs> you seem yeah. like, yeah, you seem like the, the type of grandma who, yeah, would, would do that, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, awesome. Well, thank you again so much for your time, Alderman. Is there is there anything else that you wanted to add before we finish? Anything that you wish I had asked you or any last words of wisdom um, for, for people interested in elected office? What I would say is make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Yep. That's probably our biggest, my biggest strength and weakness is that sometimes it's hard for me to hold my tongue back when I feel like people are not doing it for the wrong, for the right reasons. Right. If the majority of your constituents says that they want this or they don't want that, then you need to listen. Yeah. And you need to put aside your personal biases and, and make a decision based on what the majority of your constituents would want. Sometimes that's unknown, but sometimes, you know, Yeah, you know? Yep. For sure. Well, awesome. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, yeah. Thank and- you for asking me. I appreciate uh, the opportunity for you to come and, and talk to little old me because uh, I have not, again, I haven't been doing this very long, but I, I appreciate you coming and, and uh, touch, touching basis with me and asking me to be a part of this. Perfect. It was an absolute delight to talk to you. So thank you again Great very much. Year. Talk Talk Vote is produced by Ann Calvert and me, Rachel Thompson. The music is produced by Hanging Chad Studios. You can reach us at talktalkvote at gmail.com. To find out more about the League of Women Voters, visit lwvkc.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk talk to you later. Uh, my trip was great. I stopped at an Amish home goods store on my way here. For knives? Yes, for knives. And I got my knives. Nice! Yes, I'm very excited. How, like a whole set? I didn't buy them in a set, but I think I got four, maybe five knives. Knives are a big deal. Yeah. I love me a good knife. Yeah, yeah. If you cook, you need a good... Did you get a boning knife? No, I didn't get a boning knife, but I don't tend to do a lot of... Boning. Boning. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually deboning. Deboning, yeah. <laughs>